You're listening to the Cannabis Investing Network. Before we begin, a short disclaimer. The full disclaimer follows at the end of this episode. This podcast is a general communication and is being provided for entertainment and information purposes only. It is educational in nature and is not designed to be a recommendation for any specific investment strategy, plan, feature, or other purpose. Please enjoy responsibly. Hello and welcome back to the Cannabis Investing Network podcast. My name is Manish and today we have the one and only, the king of inefficiencies himself. His name is Abby. That is a title I will proudly wear. The most, the, the most inefficient man you've ever met. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Abby doesn't even know what an ineffi- what an efficiency is. Those exist. I, I've seen them in movies. I've heard about them. I've heard about them. I read about them in books. You know, never seen one out in the wild. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I wouldn't even know how to spot one. How you doing today, Abby? Oh, pretty good, man. Pretty good. Just um, all over the place, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's kind of like the markets today, more or less. And <laughs> like on, on on that note, you know, we're recording on Friday, November fifth. Um, recording a little early because one of us is in Florida, and this time it's not me. Which one of us is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. So I had a flight today, and that's why I'm a little bit all over the place. And uh, you know, you know the story. I landed in the wrong airport and got stuck yeah. in traffic, and uh, here right. we are. That's right. Kicking Rookie mistake. This, yeah, exactly. Amateur exactly. hour going to Miami. Very inefficient. Of- yeah. Oh, <laughs> look at that. Look at that. All right. So listen, the the topic of today, guys, and today is such a fun day to be doing this episode because this Friday that we're recording, the MSOs are up, you know, 10, 12, 15% today. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you what we think about that in a second. But, you know, in this very week, we have seen the sentiment from the online crowd flip from depression and like hide the sharp edges to today people are like high-fiving each other and saying oh my god i don't own enough msos yeah exactly. so i mean it is a beautiful example in the same week in a span of like three to five days that cannabis is truly operating in an inefficient market and that is actually a good thing so today we're going to be talking about the fact that inefficient markets are how people end up making a lot of money and why you should embrace that, the ways in which we find the market inefficient and go through them, and basically how to take advantage of that and how to take uh, these inefficiencies and turn them on its head and make that something that you can actually succeed with and make money off of. Mm-hmm. And it also further today further justifies that you know, as much as we'd like to believe anything differently, cannabis is still heavily a hype-driven momentum market, right? Like really pushed by sentiment and just look, 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 look at everything that happened on Monday and then look at everything that happened today. And it's just been one news event and change well, sentiment like this. Well, absolutely. It's a great place to start, right? That that these stocks do not trade on fundamentals. They trade on sentiment. and Which goes that, back to the inefficiency. Exactly. And that was true. So, I mean, sentiment is emotion, right? So by definition, it is not logical. It is not efficient. Um, And it's never going to be, which is why markets will always behave this way. But it's more pronounced in cannabis because of the things that we already know. You know, we trade on the OTC. We don't have liquidity. We have way less institutional ownership. All of these things make it more inefficient, right? And it just 
makes mm-hmm. the volatility that much more pronounced. But let's just talk for a second about the fact that you know today, which is Friday, people are getting really excited because um, Marijuana Moment reported on the fact that there's this Republican-led bill in the House, which is um, unequivocally going to pass. <laughs> it's already passed, yeah, I think. I think exactly. That's what, exactly. <laughs> I think that's what the article said. By well, the way, I, I don't know. I haven't even read the article. I've just been on on the Twitterverse, and uh, if, I, right. if there's anything I've learned, it's, it's passed already. Yeah, exactly. What more do you need? So the the thing is, right now, if we if we peel back the layers of the onion here, stop and take a breath, right? You know, get into the things that people don't want to hear. It's like what? First of all, it's a rumor of a draft of a bill um, by a freshman congresswoman who's a Republican, which is great, all, all power to her, but it's not even a question of, is this thing going to pass? This thing's not even headed to the, to the House floor. I mean, this thing won't even get a vote on it, right? Mm-hmm. And if you remember, um, nobody remembers anymore, but a couple of months ago, two Republicans in the House also filed a legalization bill that was kind of backed by um, the, Co- uh, the, not, you know, the one Koch now, not the Koch brothers. But uh, so this has happened before. It's just that sentiment was so negative and this kind of came out of the blue. It gave people something to hope about again. And my working theory right now on kind of U.S. cannabis stocks is that I think the shorts and the hedge funds who are really smart in the space have figured out the negativity and are pushing the share prices down. And I think today's positivity caused some buying and it caused some short covering. And that's mm. why I think you're seeing such a pronounced pop Um and all I'm just, the reason I'm saying that is to say that just be careful, right? This is doesn't necessarily mean anything fundamentally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that and that and that makes a lot a lot of sense there. Um, <clears throat> just kind of give, given everything that you're just saying over there. Um, and it, it, and as as we get dive more and more into the the episode, because f- funny enough, you know, we wrote this episode yesterday, and then today mm-hmm. we're recording, and all this sort of happens. Um, I think one of the one of the points that you made out out on, on your notes was you know huge opportunity for outsized returns and it's like you know if you're well positioned when sentiment is at all time low and you get an event like this comes up this is a quick ten percent right but now the question is do you trim? Yeah, look, I mean, we can get into that a little bit later. Like for me personally, no. I mean, I my you know this goes back to February when the markets were shooting up mm-hmm. and you know I was looking at it and I was like, okay, what do I do here because. They were, they were, um, this will get us a little bit later, but I mean, there was a, a, the best example I have of this is we did an episode back in February when the markets were taking off. And what told me that, that it was irrational was the fact that Canopy put out their earnings, which is funny again, because Canopy put out their earnings today and it was a big miss. Mm-hmm. But Canopy put out their earnings and the news article was, um, shares are up on Canopy. Because of, you know, I, I can't remember what it was, like better earnings and uh, CBD business expanding. And my point at the time was that article, that headline is nonsensical. Like it makes negative sense. And it doesn't matter because that is what people are trading off of. And right. that is what's getting people excited right now. So as happy as I am to see an alternative proposal being, you know, coming out, um, this doesn't actually mean anything other than it's helping sentiment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's good to hear like you know i agree with you on that i agree with you on that i do i do like you know i do like the fact that this is coming out do i mm-hmm. think that it makes sense to to, to 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 trim personally myself i probably won't um 
but but I get what you're saying, right? Like, well, is... let, let's so, so let's sorry to cut you off. Let's talk about that question, right? Do you trim? Do you not trim? The the decision I made in February was, look, this seems illogical. I definitely sold some of my dogs and I reallocated across the portfolio, which mm-hmm. I think is like always something to be thinking about. But um, the decision I made at that time was looking at how much money I had invested and asking myself, if this is it and we're taking off and it's never coming back, you know, we're, we're and we're moving towards uplisting. Am I happy with the exposure that I have? Do I have too much or too little? And my answer little, was... Yeah. I my answer was I didn't have enough because I had sold everything during COVID and I was slowly coming back. Right, mm-hmm. so I made the decision like, look, we might this might be overheated, it might come back, but at least like I, I made the decision like I need more money and not less. So now I'm in the same position, right? I'm not done yet. I'm pretty close, but I, I need more money and not less. So, but uh, hold on, on the build yeah. up to all this, you've been buying throughout. Yeah, you know, totally. You've been buying on on the dips, right? Mm-hmm. What I think a lot of people, or at least a lot of retail investors do, is they don't buy on the dips. They don't buy on mm-hmm. the negative down days, right? So they see today shoots up 10%. This is MSOS. Monday, they're like, okay, there's a couple couple green days come in. Then they start buying. They start buying on the up. Or they go, it's up 10%. It's up because of this good news. Mm-hmm. I sh- I'm going to miss it. That was the bottom. Now it's time to get in. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Right? And, and again, that's just a... That's just like a recipe for losing money. It's just like you're you're begging yourself to buy things higher. Yeah, that's true. Um, and when it when they're going down, they're like toxic. Like stay away from them. And three days later, everything changes. Like it, it just doesn't make sense, right? So the the point I'm getting to here, and the point of the episode is the fact that markets are inefficient. Um, we can say that all day long, but what does that actually look like? What does that actually mean? And what that to me, what it means is that. Mark the market is going to behave in ways that does not make sense a lot of the time. And so one of the big inefficiencies is that people look to the tape as if the tape tells them the truth, where in reality, the tape is just a tug of war between sentiment between buyers and sellers. Mm -hmm. And when people get really excited, they stop wanting to sell and they start wanting to buy. And when people are worried, the opposite happens, Mm -hmm. right? And then you add on top of that, the fact that we have stuff like MSOS, you know, which has to put money to work sometimes or has to take money out. And we have people who are shorting the stocks. So they're also playing with the with the tape, right? So mm-hmm. if you put too much emphasis on the tape and you think that's what's supposed to guide you, you're going to turn yourself upside down, in my opinion. It's not a very good way to invest. No, it's definitely not a good it's definitely not not a good good way to invest. And the other thing is that like look, listen, if, if you're buying after these news events happen, like you said, it's a recipe for disaster of losing money. But if you're if your strategy to be clear to be fair too, is your strategy is momentum. Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Hey, I'm all about the momentum." Um that's a different story, right? For sure. In in a strategy like that, you would have been buying on the down. Like, you know, you would have been buying in times of negative sentiment. Like if you're a true momentum trader, mm-hmm. you know, you would have had support levels or whatever. You, you do your tech, you do your technical analysis on MSOS and you would start buying when sentiment and volume are an all time low and you would start selling as volume starts to increasing and price movement starts to, to go up. Well, like sorry, hang on. I think momentum would do the opposite, right? They would want to see the, the uptick first and the energy's back and then ride the wave. Uh, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's art. It's like hearsay at this point. Right, because there are momentum traders I know. So, for example, I know some people who are, you know, uranium's going on a, on a tear right now, and so I know some mm-hmm. people who have been buying uranium for years, 
and they, they've been picking it up in extremely low volumes, like pennies on the dollar. And then now they're getting the re-rating and, and they're selling in the hot market, right? They wouldn't be buying right now. They'd be the ones selling. So that sounds more like a contrarian or value approach to me, what you're saying. I don't, I, mean, think there's, I don't think there's any value to it, what they were actually looking at. <laughs> Believe me, it's more just price value. action. Yeah, it's more yeah. just price action on yeah, like a commodity, enough. right? Um, but you're but right. Mostly, it is Mostly what I hear from momentum people is, hey, I'll come back to the sector. I'll buy this 20, 20% higher because then I know it's going even higher. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind missing out the 10% gains. Yes, you know, and and I, I like listen. I, I look. You can you can class on me however you want, but I'm somebody who's like that. Like if if mm-hmm. if a stock is like in a free fall, and even mm-hmm. though I really like the stock, right, like the company, let's say, mm-hmm. um, and you know, you're like, hey, listen, the, the fundamentals are great. I'm buying it. If it's in a free fall, I don't need to catch a falling knife. Yes. Whereas I love that. Yeah. That's, That's why you whole... got some battle wounds. Yeah, I mean, listen, no, no question there, right? Yeah. But so, so let's talk about inefficiency and why we think this market is so efficient and why that's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, what caused some negative sentiment this week was the J.P. Morgan article, the one we talked about last week, by yeah. the way, that that Nick got uh, yelled at for sharing. But the fact that uh, banks are going the other way and stopping custodying of these shares, um, I mean, by like that is by definition inefficient, right? It's in an efficient market, everybody should be able to easily buy and sell things. Mm-hmm. Um, in this market, like it's hard to even get the shares in your account. Like I've had, I've had shares I've been trying to get into my account for weeks um, that Canaccord hasn't accepted that I have to go elsewhere now to, to put in, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like very frustrating, but then you go, hey, but that is also the barrier. The inefficiency, most people don't want to overcome that barrier unless they're super, super deep in cannabis. For sure. And like on top of that, not only is it the people who are trying to get in get a hard time, people who are just watching the space see JP Morgan, you know, doesn't accept cannabis like companies anymore. That just further adds to negative sentiment. It doesn't, you don't even have to be in the space. It just gives you that mm-hmm. perception that, oh, okay, like, you know, there's more hard times to come. That's how I would. And just, no, no, perfect. And, and just, to talk about like how people and, and I always give credit to Seishu because he says this that stocks trade on narratives, right? And mm-hmm. to show you the negative narrative and how it works sometimes, on Wednesday the article comes out from Reuters, JP Morgan is not custodying cannabis stocks, and the stocks go down a couple percent. Mm-hmm. And somebody sent that article to me and said, Oh, I guess the JP Morgan people are selling. But it's like, wait, wait a minute. If you're actually a JP Morgan client like Nick is, you knew about this ahead of time. They had, mm-hmm. They're not telling you through the Reuters article. They told you a couple days ago, right? So more likely, like, like it makes more sense that other people are selling because it's just another negative piece of news, exactly. right? That's the way that I would look at it. That, that's my point though, right? But people see the two things together and they connect them. Why are the stocks going down? Oh, I just saw this news article. Oh, maybe the JP Morgan people are selling, right? But it, when you dig further into it, it's like, that doesn't really make sense, mm-hmm. Right. So the the custodying issue to me is one of the most bullish things that I hear. People get mad when they hear it. I think it's amazing. I go, how hard these are to custody. And I've heard this for years, by the way, how much of a pain in a pain in the ass it is for people just to put these in their account, especially in the US. That makes me go, wow, what an opportunity we have in front of us. How that's how messed up this market is. Uh, That's really juicy to me. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. That is juicy if you can wait it out. Yeah, the timing part of it, I'll never, I'll never yeah. tell you I know that because I don't. Well, no, you, but you have a long term term, like you have a long term time horizon. 
that's why for you, you're like, this is really juicy. Well, it depends too, right? Now let's talk about that. Like when people talk about efficiencies and inefficiencies, one of the competitive advantages that I think I have is I have a longer time horizon. But the, the funny thing, Abby, is like, what is a long time horizon? Like I hear some people say, I want to buy a cannabis stock that I can own for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm like 10 years, like, you know, I, I might not be alive in 10 years. Like, what are you saying? Like, <laughs> so my, my point is just, I don't have a 10 year time horizon. Right. I'm looking at I think I'm looking ahead one, two, three years. Okay. Which in the real estate world would be like a very, very short time frame. In the cannabis so, world, it's you know, that's double the length of when it's basically been legal in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's been legal three years in Canada now, actually. Yeah, exactly. So you have a three year time time horizon. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So so but my I guess my point is when you say, Hey, you have a longer time horizon, I'm like, Well, what's your time horizon? Three months? Yeah. No, no, no. So sorry. My, my, my time horizon is not three months, but what I'm trying I'm to say- I'm not saying is, you. I'm not yeah. saying you, by the way. I'm just saying other people. To, to most people. Honestly, some people buy- Well, look, for cannabis, I really think for the longest time, a lot of retail investors that did buy it, it was just based off of hype and, and momentum, right? They would they would buy tickers, trim, sell, get back. Like, you know, they, they, mm-hmm. they'd get their, get, the, get, get their 20%, flip it, come back, not know what company that they were holding, right? That was the early stages. Mm-hmm. Actually, funny enough, I was out for dinner last night and I was talking to somebody- uh, about about cannabis and this is someone who's not in the space but you know he's a professional money manager and mm-hmm. he's like oh yeah like names like t god and i was like oh man i haven't heard that name in forever mm-hmm. right uh, but for him that's still like the number one name so there are still people out there who have that sort wow. of perce- exactly who have that sort of perception they're obviously not guys who are like us and who, who listen to this podcast and who go to the conference it's not it's not those guys but i'm saying um, in, in, sure, an, sure. in, yeah, in an inefficient market, when you do see positive news like this, you're going to get all those people piling back in. Mm, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. So the, the fact that it's still hype and sentiment driven, right? That's, that's a great point that you made. And, and one of the points that I made is like the lack of financial literacy in our industry, because to your point, Abby, in 17 and 18, and I'm sure before that too, but I wasn't around. It was not about reading financials, right? People who could put their finger on the pulse of a company and say, this is going to excite investors. And if the CEO, you sit across from the CEO and they're telling a story which gets people excited, that's all you needed to make money. You know, you could argue you didn't want people out there building real businesses. You wanted people who were going to jump up and down and get everybody excited. You know, I saw somebody commenting the other day in the, depression era saying, saying, you know, um, I know I'm not supposed to say this, but I miss Bruce Linton who would go out on TV and pump up the stocks, you know, every month. <laughs> and I'm like, that's what we're nostalgic for now. Right. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. So oh, like God. the point is the mark now, this to me is a good thing, right? Because I- I've liked that the market has shifted. We've shifted from trading and speculation to actual investing now. Right. Mm-hmm. But some people, some of those investors, they never shifted. They never caught up. Right. Well, they so left. to them, they left. I think they left. I really think that some they of left them, the industry. Yeah. Some of them, some of them, some of them have just shifted to MSOs. Yeah. But they, but they, they didn't get their game up. Right. This is what we've always emphasized mm-hmm. get your investing game up, get your financial literacy game up. Some people just never did that. So, Abby, to your point, they've got this weird hybrid model going on where, they are are telling themselves they're long-term investors, but then they're doing a lot of trading, mm-hmm. which is fine. But then they're trading on their sentiment and they're kind of like missing the market, right? When they're they're paying too much and then they're selling 
at the low and then back and forth. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I did this. I did this in 2019 when I came in as an investor and then I started trading and I was trading all wrong and, you know, I got my ass handed to me and I learned, I learned a big lesson from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The point, sorry, God, I was gonna say the point um, is just that that's an inefficiency. The fact that there's a mismatch between the type of companies and the, the mindset of the investors looking at it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, 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 that does make sense. And I mean, you know, one of the things that um, it, it's weird. So cannabis is a weird one. I, I know we're jumping around the, the, the agenda here a little bit, but it, cannabis is a, is, is a weird one in, in that sense, because I feel like it's in a transitory state where it is going from the momentum to the value, right? Mm-hmm. And the value guys in the last little bit have been, you know, it's been tough. It's been tough, right? There has been like, look at not this, not this earnings, but like the last earnings, some of the best earnings we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And there was no price movement. Right. True. And then you see one Republican freshman Senator <laughs> comment and all of a sudden you're up 10%. So, you know, it's, it, 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 and, and I think that that's going to further add to the, the inefficiencies within the cannabis market is this transitory state that we're in. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I think there's an opportunity right now to play both sides, but I definitely think that it does make sense to high grade the portfolio, which is something we've been saying forever, but even high quality names sometimes don't move the way that they should. Right. No, no, for sure. I mean, that, that's the thing. That's why it's an opportunity to go down the middle and yeah, beca- that, yeah, exactly. because the bigger names have also come down. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're so, they become a lot more attractive. Um, but so another another point to the financial literacy part is, you know, we got we did this, this question last week where somebody's like, "Hey, um, you know, I like uh, Ascend, but Ascend's an eight dollar stock. I'd rather buy, you know, this one dollar stock, and then maybe Ascend will buy them because I can buy, you know, eight shares of that stock instead of one." <laughs> and it's like, oh, like please, like please, like this is the most simple mistake to make, right? Yeah. But like this will never change. This is human psychology. People feel that if it's a a penny stock or a dollar, you know, a dollar stock, there's just more upside potential, right? That's a signal to the market that this is a cheap stock. You know, Abby, you and I have literally looked at a company before non-cannabis that's done two reverse splits. And I think it's like something like it's, it's split their stock like to a 30 or 40 times now. Yeah. So like now it's still a dollar stock, right? But like it's destroyed so much value that like actually it's like a three cent stock. Exactly, exactly. And you want you want to hear something really weird that somebody kind of brought to my attention. It's really resonated well with me um, <clears throat> of why these companies keep their like their stock and trading bound, right? Like why mm-hmm. they keep, try to keep it at the $1. And he said, think of it this way. If you bought a 25 cent stock and it goes to 50 cents, you're going to be like ecstatic, right? You can be, oh, mm-hmm. I, I did pretty well. Mm-hmm. But if you bought a $1 stock and it went to $2, oh my God, you're going to be through the roof happy, even though you made the exact same amount of money. Hmm. Like just th- think about like a company that's like, oh man, this stock went from 25 cents to 50 cents. Wow, that's amazing. It's like, oh man, mm-hmm. this went from a dollar to $2. That's incredible. Even though it was still 50%, like, you know, or sorry, it was still 100% gain on, on both scenarios. Um, they were kind of showcasing that, okay, if you do your IPO at a dollar and it goes to $2, it makes people, it makes people feel like they've made more money. And like, even when I think about it, like, you know, I, (laughs) I still feel that like, yeah, you know what, going from a dollar to $2 is more impressive than going from 25 cents to 50 cents, even though it's the exact same thing. It has nothing to do with market cap. It's just literally price movement. It's just how they window dress the stock Mm -hmm. or the company. And and, And what Abby just described, I mean, that is a beautiful example of inefficiency in a nutshell. 
because mm-hmm. of the way the human brain works. So if somebody feels like it's a bigger win to go from one to two than from you know point one to point two, mm-hmm. right? When clearly mathematically it's not, that's just an example of inefficient markets at work because the people behind the markets are humans. Yeah. And so companies kind of can play into that. Hedge funds who are shorting stocks can play into that. So that's such an, a great example of how like when people just look at the tape as being the truth, it's like, look, these things can move in all kinds of weird ways. But over time, I think they they come back to reality. Right. In the short term, anything can happen. But if you give it a year, two years, three years, things even out and, and finally they come back to reality. And another good example of that, Abby, is the paid promotion that happens in this industry and, and really all junior speculative industries. But one thing you'll notice is when cannabis is going down, all the promotion stops. You don't see promoters out there. You don't see the articles anymore. But then the minute the heat comes back, it's it like party on baby. Like the, there's all these articles being written and these, and like weird stocks too, right? Ones you haven't heard of and ones that are like, like brand new and like, or the, the best I've seen is that they actually have these promotional stocks. They turn the marketing off when it's cold. And then it, you know, the minute, you know, it gets hot again, it's like, we're back, right? This, this company has been asleep for six yeah. months and now it's back in action. Exactly. Exactly. No, no, those, those promos, they, they do burn a lot of people. And, um, you know, you've got to be very careful, especially if there's certain media outlets, uh, you know, like, uh, like, like newsletter writers and YouTube, YouTube channels. And it's like the same people doing the same thing and you'll see them in different sectors and they'll only come in and they only comment on whatever, like the next, the next, next thing is right. Mm-hmm. The uh, new, new, the new, new, exactly. And, um, unless if you're in really early on, like unless if you're buying when the sentiment is bad, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to be, it's it, what's the saying that, it, that we always say, if you're yelling, you should be selling, right? Like mm-hmm. if it's like, if you're very ecstatic and you're very happy, you should be selling. And that's, that, that, that applies really to these promotional, um, these promotional campaigns where you get a lot of momentum, you get a news event and then they, they sort of capitalize on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's, that's a good point. So, and like the reason the promo works often is because our next point here, this industry is inefficient because there is a lack of good information. So efficient markets dictate that you need um, good information and good transparency for all of the people involved in the markets. And you know, Abby, we've actually been through this several times where you're like, hey, where did you get this information? Or where mm-hmm. did you find out this? And I'm like, oh, you have to scour through the Florida Medical Trees Reddit every day just to keep your finger on the pulse. And you're like, what? You, like, what? Right? <laughs> no, it's no, like, no. The, the, the answer is really, hey, I read this obscure post on page 50 <laughs> in this Reddit subreddit where this one user gave me a link to this website. I'm like, what? Like, are you wearing a tin hat in a basement yeah. just on your computer? You're like, yes. Yeah. Danktree74 actually posted a link to this. <laughs> yeah. He's got some good content. You should check him out. <laughs> So so the, the fact that the information is really fragmented is really interesting because mm-hmm. what, what that means, there's no one place you can go to get all of the information just fed to you in cannabis. You have to go find it. So it's, it's fragmented by state. Um, it's fragmented by like a lot of the information we get is just online. Mm-hmm. Well, 
there's a whole cohort of people, I mean, maybe the majority of cannabis buyers in every state who are not on social media, who are not posting photos of what they buy, Yeah. right? So we also have a skewed perception of what is doing well because we're looking on those online channels. Yeah. And I think you said it in one of the episodes really well is that you're, you're, get, you're getting fed curated information, right? Yes. All the good stuff. Um, and in it, the, the information disconnect in cannabis, is, it's insane, right? And the more and more you just pick up the phone or you go to a dispensary or, or talk to people, you start realizing and you start comparing. The, 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 the thing that's helped me the most is writing everything down and putting it in one spreadsheet, mm-hmm. right? When I, was, I was really, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, I was trying to find out how much a pound of like biomass in California goes for. And mm-hmm. I kept getting all these different ranges. The ranges, they, they were range bound. It was anywhere between like, I think it was like a hundred, like 80 bucks to like 150 bucks, right? Depending on the trim. Was. Trim, trim, yeah, yeah biomass, right. just like, yeah, like that. That, that, that. That's what I was looking for. And I was trying to figure out what the actual price was because some people said $40 and I was like, this is insane. Some people said $300 and it was a lot higher. But you know what the funny thing was? They were all right because they all paid that much for it, hmm. but they just didn't talk to each other. Right. Right. And right, so right, right. that's when I started noticing that, okay, like you're right. There is no centralized outlet for information. Right. Yes. And that, sorry, go ahead. And well, what you just described is literally an inefficient market. You've got all these yeah. buyers out there, right, who are who are disconnected and they're talking to all these sellers who are disconnected and they're all kind of swapping information amongst each other, right? Yeah, and, and you know what I found out was, or what I started noticing was there were groups, right? Hmm. If group A and group B didn't talk to each other, then you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't have like the same members of both groups. Interesting. Right. That, if, that if, was more in California. That was, that was very specific to California, I noticed, because right. it's a massive market. There's so many people Yeah, massive there. state and all right. that. And, and I would just but, assume, I'd be like, hey, like, do you know this person? They're like, no, I didn't even know this company existed. And literally, the company is like maybe like an hour drive from where they are. Right. And, and what you just said, I mean, the idea of connecting people to streamline a process you're like, that's literally what a broker does. I mean, pick an industry, yeah. right? But mm-hmm. so let's let's go to where this kind of the aha moment that I had, which is in real estate. So in commercial real, <clears throat> commercial real estate, when I started in 13, and probably for the next like two or three years, um, we would look at these plazas, so let's take a, a retail plaza, and we would just value it based on income, right? The property generates this much. Maybe there's like some, you know, you can do some work to it. You can add some value and you can go from generating A to generating B. But then you would value the property on some multiple of cash flow, mm-hmm. right? So you'd go, okay, it generates this much. We'll give it a 20 times multiplier. This is what it's worth today. If you, you know, if all these things go right, you can generate this much upside, value that at 20 times. It could be worth this in the future, right? So mm-hmm. the value is maybe somewhere in between, right? Because we're not, we're going to pay a little more than today's value, but not all the way to tomorrow's value, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then there was these there's these buyers stepping in who were they called themselves developers and they would buy these plazas at like you know if we were paying 20 times they'd be paying 40 or 50 times or they would they would come in and they would pay let's say instead of 20 times they'd pay 25 times um and I'd be like what are they seeing that we're not seeing right and what they were seeing is that look this income is nice it's great helps me with my financing but what I care about is the land uh, value of this and the fact that because of where this sits in the local zoning plan, I can build 20 stories on this building. And so their model of valuing it had nothing to do with our cash flow model. Mm-hmm. It was like, mm-hmm. how much can this pr- 
this piece of land generate when I rezone it to be a 20 story condo? Yeah, that's actually really funny that you mentioned that because um, I was talking to somebody about two weeks ago at, at in Vegas and they were talking about the exact same thing that mm-hmm. most of the torque in real estate for them, how they've made money was buying unzoned land that was being mm-hmm. valued from a different lens, right? And then from there, they were then getting all their alpha. So, right. And, and, and here's the thing about inefficient markets. They don't last forever. <laughs> so what happens is people figure the game out. And now, so then what happened was a couple of years later, we saw all these condos going up because Toronto underwent, you know, what is still the largest condo boom in North America. Yeah. And so people started realizing like, oh, well, wait a minute, you're not buying my property for the income, you're buying it for the for the density, right? And then also the housing market appreciated. So this got this got heated up and heated up. But the alpha they could generate got squeezed way mm-hmm. down, right? Because now, like today, if you want to buy a plaza in Toronto, it doesn't even matter if the zoning allows it or not. Every right. single plaza, every broker is going to tell you how great it is for development. For right? sure. For sure. And, and you're right. Like, look, as markets sort of evolve, then that inefficiency does start to go away. But you can take that strategy and go to different municipalities where they might not be looking at it from that lens. Yeah, t- totally fair, right? There's different ways to exploit yeah. it. But but my point is, too, when we say the inefficiency goes away, the inefficiency can actually flip in the other direction. So when things are going down, people talk about how illiquid the markets are and how inefficient it is. But when it goes up 10% in a day, I don't hear anything about that. I just hear people high-fiving and saying, this is awesome, right? <laughs> so inefficient markets, the door swings both ways. And so now I've seen people buy properties that I don't believe have any development potential, but they go, they just buy it because they go, oh, it's a good piece of land. This will be a development in the future. But that person does not know anything about zoning. They haven't done any due diligence on the planning level. Right. They just feel in their gut or they see everybody else doing it and they go, okay, I'm just going to park you know, $5 million here and you know, I, I have some cash flow. But you know, going back to my 20 times multiple, they're willing to pay 25 or 30 times the, mul- you know, right. the, the cash flow multiple significantly above market. But it's like, hey, man, you didn't do your DD here. You don't even realize that this is not a good development piece. Right. So now the inefficiency is in the other direction where people think they're going to get rich off of potential development that's probably not going to happen. Gotcha. And that could be something that we saw today in cannabis. Well, I, listen, I'm not that worried about today's action, but the, the point being like what I learned from that experience was we didn't all clue into this development game until it was like too late. Not, not too late, but the market had moved by the mm-hmm. time we figured it out because we saw the condos going up or we saw them you know, being finished, we were like, oh, that's the game. And so a lot of the alpha compressed. And the same principle, I think, really applies to US OTC-listed cannabis. I think as the efficiencies get figured out, the alpha will compress. Mm-hmm. So like, imagine just post-uplisting, It'll be harder to make multi-baggers on these stocks once they're already, you know, multiplied out, but there'll be a lot more money chasing them. And if people can squeeze out 20%, they're going to consider that really good. Whereas today, people are running away from opportunities that I think are truly multi-baggers. Hmm. That makes sense. But my point, Abby, is just that the inefficiency is creating the opportunity 
And if you sort of wait for the inefficiency to be worked out, you're going to miss the best opportunity to generate the alpha. For sure. And you have to take advantage of, of markets, especially with like, uh, especially because, you know, we, we talked about short-term time horizons earlier on, but like um, to, to sort of really capture that alpha in an inefficient market, you've got to increase your time horizon. And having a lot of people with low, with, with um, shorter time horizons, you know, you, you can make it right. Like you can, I don't know how to draw the parallel to the real estate example, but like, you know, if you stay here long enough, I do think that you will in the right name, right? Like, you know, you don't, you don't want to buy for sure. Yeah. You don't want to buy like a downtown con downtown Toronto plot of land, assuming that you're going to get uh, the, the, the alpha that you want. Right. Well, the key thing is you don't want to pay high rise development land prices. Like you don't want that priced into your purchase if you can't get that. Mm hmm. Right. So so what people would say now is because the market's so much more educated, people would price this piece of land as if it was a 60 story condo. Right. As, as, sorry, as if it was like approved already. Right. Or say, look, this is how much you can get out of it when it's fully approved. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, that's numbers, let's say 10 million. Right. The cash flow number is five million. So pay us eight and you, you're going to make the two on the approval. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas before people were paying five or six and then making getting the 10 on approval, mm -hmm, right? So mm -hmm. same principle here. Um, I think there's a lot of upside across the industry. Just depends on what you pay for it. Exactly. And what you're getting for it. Because mm -hmm. right? one Prices, of the biggest, yeah, like one of the biggest things, you know, you and I were talking about was some of these, some people are pricing 2020, this is the private markets, but they're pricing 2023 revenue projections. And, you know, the, the, the answer to that question is like, you know, where's my juice? You know, like, how right. long do I have to hold before I get a re-rating on this? And if you buy something with 2023 valuation, a lot has to go in your favor for you to just sort of, you know, collect that uh, that return. Well, th this is the classic, right? A, a operator goes, look, the MSOs on the public markets are trading at, let's say, 10 times EBITDA, right? Mm -hmm. So they go, okay, well, today, you know, the operator goes, well, you know, t this year we're, we were ramping, but in next year we're going to do this much or 23, we're going to do this much. So I put a 10 times multiple on that. And that's my value. Mm -hmm. And you're like, whoa, 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 hang on. So you have to execute to everything you said you were going to do, which, you know, usually doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of that, I get a 10 times multiple, the same as the largest and best companies in the industry. <laughs> I, and we're putting all that value on it today. And I'm illiquid. <laughs> yeah. And I can't sell it. <laughs> yeah. So like, tell, like, why am I doing this deal again? Right. Yeah, so, yeah. so that, that. Um, and that's the same thing, by the way, with sellers all the time with properties. They go, well, this is, you're going to get a 50 story condo out of this. It's worth 10 million bucks. Here you go. And you're like, okay, well, like what's the upside for the buyer then? Yeah. Right. Like what do you, what meat on the bone are you leaving for the buyer for the risk they're taking? Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so the lack of good information, the, the easy money, I guess my point is, is like in this development example, the easy money, yes, you do have to know what you're doing, but the easy money is if you're ahead of the curve and you make a, the right bet, um, that's how you can generate the most alpha, even by being approximately right. So even people who are in like MSOs that I don't like as much, um, I think everybody's going to do great once we just hit uplisting, right? And then the, the execution part will sort itself out later on, but first money will flow in and there'll be a big party. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, the, you know, that's, this is for another episode. Like the uplist, the whole uplisting thing, I'm getting fed up with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's now I got to the point where like, frick, like this is just uh, too much is yeah. going on. Right. Six months too long. Mm -hmm. So the, the other 
thing I found is that another inefficiency is when we talk about sentiment, a lot of these things are trading on this idea of legalization, right? And and certainly we can all understand legalization matters, uplisting matters, right? But a lot of people, including us, are trying to forecast all these political things, mm-hmm. which we're not experts at at all, right? And you talk to a guy like JP who is an expert and he's just like, no, 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 no. Like you, you guys, guys don't understand. Wrong. Yeah, exactly. Like not, not even like you guys are wrong. You guys don't even understand the language that is being spoken here. Yeah. And so that it's really inefficient for people who don't know to be swimming out of their, um, you, you know, to be to be completely out of their depth, and be making these bets based on legalization. Right? It's like the blind leading the blind here is is where we're at. Yeah, I mean, like, look, the legalization thing, and it was funny. It was JP and I we were, we were chatting on it, and I just I just started talking. I'm like, look, I'm taking that completely out of my thesis. But this was before today. Yeah. Now, whole different story. <laughs> No, it's it is back on, baby. It's back on. <laughs> so actually, this is this segues into one of the last points, which is which is about the reliance that we have on media, and so part of okay, what I'm seeing in this industry and what I saw when I was here in 17, 18, 19 is that people don't know what to believe. This industry is brand new; it's being figured out. Um, so nobody knows where to look or what to believe. So. Part of that is people are constantly looking for validation of their investment thesis and their choices. And unfortunately, they're not looking for it in the financials. They're not looking for it by going and visiting the assets of the company and seeing it, right? They're looking for it for things that are familiar. And that could be, you know, seeing it on CNBC. That could be reading an article in Bloomberg. That could be, you know, seeing somebody on social media talk about it. That could be seeing everybody on Reddit say the same four names. Oh, that means there's some safety in that, Mm -hmm. right? Now, to people's credit, yes, all of those things add legitimacy and they help. But what I found after having gone through this in in the previous cycle was you cannot rely, especially on media, to be financial analysts and to be investors. That's not their job. Their job is to report what they're told or what they hear. So if they hear it from a couple of people, there's the story, mm-hmm. right? So why are we expecting that the Bloomberg journalists, I'm sure they're very sharp, but why are we expecting that they are financial analysts? That doesn't make any sense. And yet if we see a very bullish Bloomberg article on you know, a company that we don't know that well, that gives us a lot of confidence in that company, but that's not the right way to look at it. It's true. It's true. Actually, here when I when I first started working, I worked for this portfolio manager, and he said something to me that that really hammers home in this point. And this is about the Globe and Mail, which is a national uh, newspaper in in, mm-hmm. in Canada. And he asked me, he said, "Hey, do you know what the Globe and Mail's real job is?" And I was like, "Yeah, to report the news unbiasedly, hopefully." And he says, "No, absolutely not. It's to sell ad space. That's it. Mm. That's what these guys do." And all in in his his point was, it doesn't matter if you're watching CNBC, CNN, and whatever. All they're trying to do at, at the end of the day is sell ad space. Right? Yes. They, they obviously want to report the news because then they get you as, as somebody who's in there. But when you do read articles and you know when you do see journalists writing about something, now they have to disclose it if they're getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. But you can generally assume that they are, they're getting compensated in some way, shape, or form. Well, and it goes to incentives, right? So exactly. to your point, if you read something on CNN, I don't think they're getting paid by you know Canopy to write an article, right? That's not, that's not what Abby's saying. What he's saying is, the writer of the article has an incentive. Exactly. And 
remember that writer of that article is not writing only cannabis articles. They're writing probably 20 articles a day about all kinds of things. And they're a writer. Right? And they're That's a writer. That's their specialty. Yeah. Exactly. They are literally a writer, right? So that their job is to see what's going on. Now, financial writers you know, have some financial literacy. Of course, but, of course. But their job is to see what's going on in this sector this day and then write a narrative, narrative around it and put it up and move on. And usually right, and the, narrative, the next one. Yeah, and usually the narrative is quite captivating. They and with cherry pick statistics that then, you know, draw readers in and help sell ads. It, it's about, you know, to the incentive part, it's about the traffic. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why mm-hmm. sometimes we see these like clickbaity titles and we're like, what is this? And but a lot of times that is what's working. Right. And as we've seen many times over for various different things, guys, that's what draws people in. Right. So all of this is to say. When you're going out there and you're reading media, you need to be critically analyzing it and asking, is this right? Is this wrong? Now, coming to the end of the episode, what we should, you know, the next kind of phase of evolution is thinking about, okay, we understand it's inefficient. How do we take advantage of that? Yeah. Right. How do we make money on that? Right. Because first of all, the easiest thing I think is to not lose money on it. So the first thing is to realize (laughs) When people are getting overly excited or overly pass, let's say overly excited when the news articles you think are wrong or being too optimistic and not, you know, running in behind the hype to buy the thing that's just gone up 10%. Right. And also, you know, kind of going, touching on both topics here, the media as well as how to capitalize on these inefficient markets. I, th- I think we've talked about the, about this in the past, but, you know, nobody on Twitter or not, I shouldn't say nobody, most people on Twitter, most journalists, they won't tell you if they're selling the stock. Right. They never tell you if they're selling. They always tell you to buy. And it's it's something to keep into consideration. And so in my opinion, the best way to capitalize on an, on an inefficient market is to stay within your lane and really understand what's going on and have some sort of parameters, right? Like, you know, you and I, I don't, I don't want to say we disagree on this, but we have different differing philosophies when it comes to this, right? Like I, I take profits and I, there's some, sometimes there's some metrics that I look for. Uh, one of the biggest ones is if I see volume increasing and price moving up, mm-hmm. you know, I'm never somebody who tries to catch the top. I will trim a position. I'll come back in, right? Especially mm-hmm. even even if it's like a really good fundamental name, mm-hmm. if it just seems like you know a crazy 10% increase in like day over day over day, it will come down, right? That, that's that's mm-hmm. the way that I look at it, um, and that's how I've been doing it. So I, I don't know if that kind of makes sense to you, but um, you know, well, your your point is, look, you ride the wave. So sometimes the wave is just rising, rising, rising. And re- and kind of regardless of what else is going on, you have the sell discipline to say, I'm taking a little bit off here, a little bit off here, a little bit off here, right? Yeah, and and, and, the- and I'll tell you how I how I came to that theory, right, mm-hmm. or to that conclusion, and it's because you've got to remember if you look at a stock chart, you probably didn't get in at the lowest, right? So there are people who are sitting in there who have probably right. no idea what this company does, but they <laughs> bought the company, you know, a couple of years ago, a couple of months ago, maybe they bought it at a significantly less valuation than you did, sure. or significantly less price than you did. And now they're up like four or five X, you know, they've made their money. They're going to sell. That's typically how I find these like momentum markets to sort of pop. Right, right, right. And so your point is, look, I know the market can behave irrationally. While it's doing that, I'm going to trim, trim, trim. And I'm not too fussed because I feel like the irrationality works both ways. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you a live example is right now, this is November 5th, the Friday, people are getting excited again. We might see some follow through in the next week. And and I, I do think the shorts might be coming off, right? Mm-hmm. They'll back away a little bit. Um, but like, I would just be careful. Like, I think 
like what I'm trying to do is I, I think I've said before, I'm moving some money around so that I can, um, you know, kind of go deeper into cannabis, like, cause that's really what I need right now is, but, <laughs> but so now I'm like, oh, great. Now it's up again. I'm missing it. But it's like, no, look, just be patient. Take a deep breath. Let this excitement play out. Right. It doesn't, I don't think it actually has legs because it's, this bill's not real. I mean, it's if right now it's just a rumor and also like, not, it's not ever getting a vote. I mean, it's a it's a fresh you know freshman um, congresswoman who's Republican, right? It's never gonna even hit the floor. Let these trying earnings... to make a name for herself too, right? For and and listen, we should support it. I'm like Absolutely. thrilled about it, right? But I'm just saying, like the odds of this becoming law, it's extremely low, right? It maybe, and and the reality is, after a couple of weeks, these things fade away. So so this point about inefficiency is like the news gets people really excited and then it kind of peters out. And if you remember safe being included in NDAA, this happened two months ago. It got everybody excited. The stocks rallied for like a little bit and then slowly people realized, you know, it's not so easy and da 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 da. And now here we are. So this month when the NDA gets NDAA gets passed and safe is likely not included. Right. And then mm-hmm. we've also had a bit of a soft earnings season and we're going into tax law selling season, we could just see the door flipping the other way, right? And so that's when I get excited again and I see people, you know, going, oh, okay, I guess this is all worthless after all. That's when I get excited and I get, you know, kind of able to put that last bit of money in um, at what I hope are, are, what I know are really attractive prices. Yeah, for sure. But, But so, Abby, like going back to the strategy part, what I do a little bit differently than you probably is... um. I, listen, I have some things that are more trades. Hey, this is interesting here. Let it ride up and then we'll get out. But most of my trades are built off of fundamentals. Mm-hmm. So if you go back like five months, I thought Harvest was interesting because um, they were going to have a really good Q1 because of Arizona. Right. So this is a company everyone hates. It's left for dead. Nobody likes it. Arizona, it's going to have a 30% quarter and nobody's paying attention yet. Right. So that's like an example. But but that being said, I'm like, okay, I'm buying it here at I can't remember what it was, but I'm buying it at, you know, 275. Once it starts getting close to 375, four bucks, then I'm going to start pulling the trigger and getting out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Now you're you're a little less meticulous in how you underwrite it, but you're more like, hey, as it starts going up, you know, I'm going to trust my gut here and sell, sell, sell. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, my, my thing is even if it's a even if it's a high quality name that I think is gonna go to like, I don't know, sixty bucks or whatever. This is for example a company like AYR. I like AYR mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. they're I think they're gonna do really well. I've been buying I've been buying it down. Mm-hmm. Um once it's started, like, you know, I have it in a couple of accounts. It's it's I, I have terrible management when it comes to actually knowing what I own and what account. Totally. Um so in some accounts, you know, I'll I'll I'll, I'll take some profits off it because in Canada we've got uh tax sheltered accounts that we can we can buy into. And um if AYR, let's just say, starts rallying 10, 10%, 10%, 10%, and, the, and, the, and I'm in the money, I will trim some off because I know mm-hmm. there will be some sort of price action to bring it back down, and mm-hmm. I'll just pick it back up. That's what I was trying to say that I would do. Yeah, right. You're, and it's now the question is, because here's what I do, right, is I'm not trying to time the market anymore. I learned a big lesson on yeah. that. So, But I'm very adamant that, especially in inefficient markets, there's opportunities to move between stocks. Right. Stocks are getting hammered more than others. Ooh, yes. that's interesting. Yes. Right. Do I take a loss here and move over here? Right. So um, there's a difference between selling and going to cash and saying, I'm going to try to hold cash versus, hey, I'm just going to sell this today uh, because I think 
you know, it might come back, right? And I can use that cash. So it's yeah, a, and, and to put it back in there, right? Exactly. Right. So it doesn't sound like you're saying like, oh, I'm going to, the market's too hot. I'm going to go more towards cash. It's like, look, I'm going to sell some of this and, you know, next day, next week, whatever, I might find another opportunity to redeploy it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's, you know, you, you want to hear something hilarious is I've had some names where I couldn't, where like, I was like, oh, I should sell this, but I didn't have another strategy. I didn't have another name to put it into. But I didn't have another company to put it, so I just held it, which was, in some cases, has not worked out well. But in other cases, a lot of you know, I feel like a lot of people do that. I've heard a lot of people say, "Well, if I sell this, I need to buy something else." Yeah, which is um, which is not the case. You don't need to. No, right? No. And it's it's something that I'm trying to get better at. It's okay to have a decent chunk of cash there, right? I mean, look, if if the if that position is half of your portfolio, then okay, I get it. Maybe you don't want to have too much cash, right? Um, because then you're kind of timing the market, but like if there's anything we've learned in cannabis guys, it's that the markets are a roller coaster. They go up, they go down until we get uplisting. We're probably going to have more choppiness and volatility. Right. Right. So play accordingly. Don't feel like I'm sure by the time this comes out on Wednesday, people will have already dumped more of their money (laughs) in to try to chase this rush. Right. Mm -hmm. Which, which might be great. Right. We're terrible at calling tops and bottoms. So we don't try what you should learn is that nobody knows where the bottom is. Nobody, mm-hmm. right? If they did, they would be billionaires because they could just lever all of their assets and pour all of their money into any stock at the quote unquote bottom and just let it go up. They'd have a gold penthouse <laughs> in the middle of Central Park in New York. Are we talking about you now? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That that that's where I'm that's where I'm uh broadcasting from yeah i thought i thought you were gonna say hey i'm on the airplane i got wi-fi let's we're doing the guy next to me doesn't mind let's do do the podcast exactly exactly so look coming to the end here abby um i think the the genesis episode was just really to say to people like we always talk about inefficient markets and yet people seem to be getting very frustrated with cannabis you know except for today um this is what an inefficient market looks like Right. When we talk about inefficiencies and it's not the last this we're not I don't think we're over all the pain in cannabis. Right. It's not the last time we're going to be have negativity in this industry. Uh, take advantage of it. Position yourself from it. When you see a stock that you think is ripping too hard on irrationality or the wrong reasons, don't be afraid to trim some. Right. Don't be afraid to jump into things, I think, that might be having some trouble and be falling if you've done the work and you feel like it really is mm-hmm. uh, a good company. And if the fundamentals haven't changed, it's just perception changing. To me, that all represents opportunity. Um, and I, I just feel that similar to that development example, I feel like it's going to be once the condos are built and the prices go way up that uh, people start taking, you know, start wanting to put more money into this. And by that point, a lot of the easy money is gone. Yeah, for sure. And it's a different type of investor, right? I I always like to think that there are some people who don't like to take as much risk. They're more than happy to come back in at a different Mm -hmm. round at a much higher valuation because they think that there's less risk and it's just different types of investments. And that's a very important point you said to finish it off on. They think there's less risk. It's perceived risk. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Like real estate, for example, does really well because people perceive there to be very low risk. But that's also because we lived in a world where interest rates have gone down for 30 years. Right. They start shooting up tomorrow. That risk really changes. So to your point, Abby, people go, oh, this is too risky. Oh, this stock is going down 5% a day. It's way too risky right now. 
It's like, is it? Or is it the same business that's now considerably cheaper? So the downside is now less and the upside is much more. So to me, the risk reward is all in your favor. Yeah, right? that's only for high quality names though, right? Like that's, yeah. Yeah, there's an asterisk Yeah, there, right? huge asterisk. Asterisk that, yeah. in this industry for the right names, totally. Right. Right, but I'm saying, I think that what you just said, that how people think about risk, that to me is an inefficiency that we can take advantage of. Yeah. That Definitely. being said, you still have to be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can have all these great theories and do all these bold actions, but if you're not right, you're still in trouble. Yeah, you're still losing money, right? So the la- the last thing I'll I'll say to round out the episode is a good friend of ours. Um, he said, "Look, the cost of debt is going straight down, mm-hmm. but the cost of the equity is going straight up. Somebody's wrong, and I hope it's not me." Is he a debt lender or an equity investor? He does both. So okay. it's a good question. Yeah, he's kind of hedged <laughs> so, on that So, side, so he is wrong and yeah, he is right at the either, same time. Either way, he's wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's one of our friends, so he's for sure wrong. <laughs> That's why Abby, he's any, one of our friends. <laughs> Abby, any closing thoughts? Uh, I mean, you know what? I think we touched on a broad range of, of, of topics over here. I would say, look, you, you hit it on the head there. We're definitely in an inefficient market. I think for inefficient markets, you know, it's that money ball analogy. If they take the bunt, just pick, t- pick up the ball, throw it to first, don't go to second. Basically meaning, you know, anytime you see something where you, there's a small misprice um, and you're quite confident that it is because you've done your due diligence, you understand the fundamentals and the actual assets of the company, you know, pick it up over there, control your emotions. Don't let your emotions control you because that's going to be the best way that you can persevere in markets like this. Well said. Control your emotions. Don't let your emotions control you. Guys, thank you so much for listening. CINpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time. This podcast is a general communication and entertainment being provided for informational purposes only. It is educational in nature and not designed to be a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, feature, or other purposes. Any examples used in this podcast are generic, hypothetical, and for entertainment purposes only. None of Cannabis Investing Network or its affiliates are suggesting that the listener or any other person take a specific course of action or any action at all. Communications such as this are not impartial and are provided in connection with advertising and marketing of products and services. Prior to making any investment or financial decisions, an investor should seek individualized advice from, from a personal financial, legal, tax, and other professional advisor that take into account all of the particular facts and circumstances for an investor's own situation. By listening to this communication, you agree with the intended purpose described earlier. Opinions and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice. We believe the information provided here is reliable but should not be assumed to be accurate or complete. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for all investors.